When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbel. It's uh, just a crazy busy week of Nebraska athletics. We'll recap it. A tough one last night for the Big Red in the home finale of a just extremely difficult basketball season. A 10-point loss to Iowa, 88-78. Husker baseball better, but still falls to TCU and oh yeah spring football is on Monday numbers to get in and join us this morning at 466-377-76-476-800-825-5865 can email chris at hailvarsity.com mark at hailvarsity.com and uh, follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, and then at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. We'll get Cranach once upon a time, known as at Mark Skurs, someday back on Twitter. Cranach, what do you know? How's it shaking? And uh, have you been able to take the amount of big red news this week? It's okay. It's I've you know Fred has prepared us for it. I do not hear Mark. Oh, you don't. Now I got well, I'm him. talking. Can now the radio I got hear you. me? Can the internet <laughs> yeah. hear me? I got you now. I got you. You got now. me now. Well, I said something really genius, and I don't even know if I can repeat it. It'll lose its effect. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was so good. I'll, I'll keep you guessing the next hour 55, but who's counting? Yeah, check out the podcast later, mm-hmm. and then, you, then you'll understand. Look, it's – where do we start? I, I think we start with retaining Fred. Mm-hmm. Frankly, surprised. Okay. Even though there was the $18.5 million buyout, it had gotten to the point where it was so bad, basketball-wise, the and the results were so bad consistently three years in a row that it just felt like no way. You know, each time I'd gone, I'd, I've gone to maybe five games this year, mm-hmm. and each time just the, the crowd had sort of, gradually dwindled right just less and less people going you know the team gets gets blown out when they have the flu earlier in the year and you sort of understand that but then they get blown out when they don't mm-hmm. um there's just nothing like you could not look and say even if you're excited about bryce mcgowan's you're not really sure he's coming back I would so bet cool, a lot yeah. of money that he's gone, and I would have bet, like you, that Fred 
and Trev would have parted ways. I, I understand Mark bringing him back. We'll hear from Fred here in a moment. Pretty, pretty real, Fred Hoiberg. And Fred's always been real. But just um, what it means to him to coach here. And I don't doubt his ability. I'm just, fr- frankly, floored by the results. Okay, and that just comes down to rebooting in college a second time, and it's it's not worked. And, and quite honestly, it's more he's more of an NBA guy than a college guy. I think he has the ability to be a college guy again, but he's going to have to embrace what college is. And and, and they they've absolutely missed more times than not. And it's not just about talent. I think they've had talented players, but the chemistry part and the personalities have been what's been off. How about how about this partial quote from Trev? This is why I'm surprised. Partial quote from Trev on his show Thursday night. You're just not going to win in the Big Ten Conference if you're not tough, if right. you don't play defense, if you're not unselfish with the basketball, and if you don't rebound. Mm-hmm. It's like... <laughs> You just named off like four of the six things you need to do in basketball, just period. You have to care about doing them. <laughs> well, but all that's left is dribbling and shooting. That's the only thing he didn't mention. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they got to play defense. They got to not be selfish. They got to be tough. They got to rebound. Re- you got to yes. want to rebound. Yeah. They just haven't done it. They just haven't done it. Consistently. And you're, you're just like, it, yeah. It's I don't know the the just the the level of futility has been shocking, and then to mark to run that back is mm-hmm. just you know look it's it's just very unlikely to work. That's, and, and I that's think this fair. is different than Scott. I think it's different. I think mm-hmm. it's way different because Scott at least showed that team showed a pulse during last fall. They showed a pulse. They were quite literally. According to historical, scientific, empirical data, like the most unlucky team in the history of college football, and that is not hyperbole. Mm. That's like they are an outlier, statistically speaking. Like there's no way you saw that one. Did you see the the study that was ran where they 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 simulated Nebraska's season like ten times or ten thousand times? Yeah, they the, the simulations scream seven wins. Yes, and. Only twice out of those ten thousand simulations, twice, <laughs> three and did they end up with up. three wins? Like that's I mean, you and me are, at the blackjack table. <laughs> yeah, the the writers of that study that did this scientific kind of look back on the rest were just like flabbergasted. They're just like, how this is? We've never seen anything like this scientifically. It like broke their computers. You know, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it didn't make still sense. smoking. So that's a different story. Then Fred just like one conference win, you know, mm-hmm. 20, 20 losses three years in a row in basketball. Mark. You get a lot of chances in basketball. No, you got a no, five star on the team. No, and that's that's what's maddening is is you've brought in a guy like Banton who's playing well in the NBA. Then you go get a guy like McGowan's. You know, it's it's not your your top guy or your second top guy it's it's your at times second third fourth and fifth guy I mean I really like Derek Walker but he's he's about it from a consistency standpoint on this this basketball team you're going to flip the roster again can you all of a sudden become a 
a coach that is going to go find a bunch of guys that that will go do dirty work for you. Mm -hmm. And what Trev laid out, the toughness, the defense, the unselfishness, the rebounding, I mean, that's all all characteristics of – of what you're kind of made up of. What type of player are you? What And Fred Fred from day one with this team talked about role acceptance. And in, in today's college basketball, let's not, let's not scream at – let's not scream at, at the transfer because that's what helped kind of elevate Nebraska basketball during the Miles era, right? I mean, you're going to take transfer kids um, – but you've got to be able to mix in your high school talent and, and develop. And I, I, I have no doubt Fred can develop. I have no doubt Fred can scout. I have no f- doubt Fred can put a game plan together. But can he put a team together? We'll go to the phone lines here and hear from Fred in a moment. Elijah, jump in here. Who do we got? Uh, Tex. Tex, thanks for calling, buddy. Go ahead. Hey, thanks a lot, Schmitty. After this basketball year, I was just wondering how much Bailey's it takes for you to get through on a on a Saturday morning show like this. <laughs> uh, that is uh, none of your business. Text. Uh, well, text, we'll catch uh, up with that. We'll catch up with that later, I guess. Um, yeah, I've I've been one of the few that made every game this year, even including the uh, exhibition. And I love what, you. Well, thank you. What uh, uh, got me after the exhibition? They could not even out-rebound Prue State. Mm-hmm. And uh, Prue State was mainly made up of a bunch of, uh, from what I could tell, class C and D, all-staters, and maybe a few from the outside. But, yeah, they just, the, the will to rebound is probably the, the biggest thing that I noticed early on, and it, a lot of it seemed to have carried over. I don't know if, if, if Hoiberg, it looks like he just sends everybody back after a missed shot and, and doesn't, care too much about the uh, the offensive glass, but uh, I was just back going to Trev, I was just wondering if uh, I'm sure he's been looking at the situation hard for the last month or so, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking out loud, but there, I guess there's always a chance that maybe his one or two top guys couldn't get out of a contract, and maybe that's why he opted to keep Fred for another year and renegotiate. That's all I've got. Thanks a lot. All right. Tex, appreciate okay. you, man. Thanks for, for listening. Cranach, a couple of thoughts on that. I I think it was hard to get out of the 18.5. I think shaving your contract off two, you know, $250,000 is not enough. Uh, I, I'm yep. glad the retention bonuses got punted. And, you know, I'm not sneezing at $4.5 million shaved off of uh, of the of the total and, and dropping this thing down to $11 million. Uh, and, and listen, I'm okay with giving uh, you know a second run at it here by Trev, just like he did with football. I, I get his, I, I appreciate his patience because Nebraska has been yeah. a place that is that is that has hit reset a lot. Okay, sure. And, and right now, sure. basketball is in such a, a bad spot with three twenty straight lost seasons and uh, an empty cupboard uh, potentially that. G- g- People will want a Power 5 job, but can you nail the hire, I guess, is yeah. my question. And let's, let's let Fred get a, get a second crack at it. You just hope he'll be better at it. You know, it, look, and this, this wasn't to denigrate Trev. What, 
Trev inherited a crappy situation. You know, it's just like, oh. what, do you, what, is, what do you expect him to do? Even if he fired him, it's like, really? You're going to pay $18.5 million for, You know, and you're probably your your replacement is probably not going to the dance either so like what are we doing here you know <laughs> it's you're talking about quite literally the worst program in power five basketball mm-hmm. historically and currently like they just are that it sucks to say but it's true the only one in the power five that hasn't won an ncaa tournament right game i mean they've only been like what five times in history is that right no, no, they went in the 80s. They went four straight with Danny, and then Danny went five. So I think they've been six. Six, okay. But, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So you're really going to pay $18.5 million for that? Uh, no. Like, it's, not, it's not even an option. So I understand why mm-hmm. Trev uh, refused to do that. I mean, you're being financially responsible. I will say this. Small little silver lining. I don't know if the kid's going to be any good, actually. But at least in pregame warm-ups, <laughs> the kid Denham Dawson. Okay. So he's yeah. he's the freshman that he can't play right now because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he signed. He signed early, but he's, he's not eligible until next year. At least in warm-ups, he is the livest wire on the team. Like, the dude stands out. In pregame warmups, so you only see him if you go to the games and watch warmups. You're like, "Whoa, who's that?" You start looking at your right. You're like, "Is that how? Wait, who is that?" And he doesn't play. He, he won't play to the fall. But he's what? I think he's six six, mm-hmm. six five, six six range. Dude can jump. He's got power. He's quick. Uh, he's got size. Well, like look at Verge last he's night. Not, I mean, he's it's not, not just about thin. The talent, bud. I mean, they brought in ballers. They just haven't yeah. brought in guys. But to your point about Denham, I mean, that's somebody you hope can come in and, and play the right way. Great email. This puts it perfectly from Uncle Kelly, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Fred has the unenviable, in, unenviable task of having to coach effort. When you have a team, you constantly have to coach effort. You're, you're running uphill. That's the yeah. thing, Mark. You can't go get guys that you're, you're questioning their effort. And there, there's oh, been completely. a lot of times this year where that's, but that's, on that's Fred. been the biggest problem. And that's on Fred, though. Yeah, it is. Right. Because you, and you saw that comparison last night against Iowa. Do you think that's a concern with any of those guys? No. I, no. <laughs> no. McCaffrey may beat them lost. in a closet if there's an effort question. Yeah. And look who they lost. Who, who they had to replace. They got a yeah. program going. They're recruiting a profile. They're recruiting guys that absolutely give discretionary effort defensively and otherwise. That's just so that's all they have on the roster. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the, those are the only guys that see the field or see the court. Mm-hmm. Nebraska doesn't have that profile, that characteristic. It's it's mercenary you. You know, and, well, and what's even more interesting about it is, like, individually, I don't think they have bad guys like locker room cancer guys either. I think they're actually all pretty good guys, <laughs> you know. But collectively, as a unit, they don't get after it. They don't get after it defensively. Fred can't make them do it. It's Because it's just not in their DNA. I think Walker's there. Mm-hmm. I think Walker's a guy that gives all-out, full uh, effort, like, pretty regularly. But that's not across the board. I think Trey does too. Um, but <laughs> it's not universal. 
No. It's not universal at all, and it has to be. I mean, it just has to be, especially in the Big Ten. Nebraska basketball has too many guys, and think about a buddy of yours that tried to quit smoking, okay, and they're doing fine, they're doing fine, they're doing fine, and then they go out and they, you know, break in in case of emergency cigarette, right? Nebraska's got too many guys that that try and do the right thing on offense, okay? Uh, But when push comes to shove in the middle of transition and – that moment where you've got to have a good possession. Making it's that vital. Decision. Yeah. They end up launching the shot because they want to be the guy that hits the big shot. They're breaking yeah. that, that glass case to have the smoke. Let's hear yeah. from Trev. Uh, check that. Let's hear from, from Fred last night. Fred responding in his post game uh, about being able to come back to Nebraska for year four listen first and foremost we absolutely love it here i'm i'm thankful to be the coach here i want to be the coach here for a long time Um, obviously the season has not gone the way any of us expected or hoped and it's very discouraging it's been a very very difficult year as difficult a year as i've ever been through and uh you know to have the support of trev of our leadership uh means the world to me and you know messages of support you know coach osborne reaching out to me um you know just you know those those things mean the world to me uh you know the really a lot of people that have sent me positive messages and i know there's the other and i get it i believe me i understand it i know what this business is it's a win-loss league and we have not won uh in the three years we've been here so we're gonna do everything in our power to get this thing going to turn it around um you know to hopefully give our fans something to cheer about and uh um, you know, be proud of, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to continue on. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hopefully going to con- get this thing rolling and, and, uh, and win some games. Cranach, uh, a thought from you, as you've looked at Fred this year, did you ever get the, the, the guys just so beaten down by this? He doesn't want to be back. Or do you think it, it ended up being, I mean, I, I trust him at his word there. I mean, that's some pretty powerful TV and, and audio of of Fred saying, look, man, I'm, I'm thankful to be back. No, I mean, this has just got to be frustrating, embarrassing, and demeaning for him to have things restructured, to be whether, one in 30 on the road. I mean, six wins in, in Big Ten play in three years. I mean, go down the list of of missteps and – I mean, I, I, I could never have imagined this, and, and neither could he, and neither could Nebraska basketball fans, but he's going to keep fighting the fight good on him. I mean, there's a lot of – there's lesser college coaches that would have just said, dude, give me, give me a check with a few zeros and I'll get the hell out of here. That, that would have been easy. That would have been easy. I know there's a bit of a hit to his coaching reputation between how Chicago ended and how it's gone in Lincoln. But overall, there's still a good, healthy respect and like for Fred Hoiberg in the basketball world, and he's earned that. But, man, it's, it's gotten hit. It's just gotten hit here the last couple of years, and I think we're all pulling for him. We're not supposed to pull, but selfishly, 
I think he's a good enough dude that you hope he gets it done. And, and you've had folks the last 48 hours on social media lose their mind. Oh, Trev doesn't care about Nebraska basketball. I think the reality is you're you're going to really be a big picture AD and say let's let's put out a, a beacon of hope, a flare to future coaches and also our current coaches that we're here for you. You got to win. I'm Trev Albertson. I'm competitive as all get out, but we're going to support you to win. I, I think that's a really big one, you know, and it, it, and that message is loud and clear. It's like, yeah, he look, he expects results. He doesn't just run you out at the first sign or second sign of trouble. He works with no. you. You know, he, he works with you. And that, and you can, Trev can say that with a straight face. He can just say, yeah, look, I mean, we had, <laughs> I walked in and Fred had lost bad three years in a row and mm-hmm. we, we kept him around gave him another shot didn't work out here we are and then everybody would understand it so like i think mm-hmm. i think that part of it's good with fred i haven't been able to to fred's credit and this might be the only thing that keeps hit uh allows him to resurrect what's going on is i can't read fred you can't tell like if you listen to fred after a win versus fred after a loss there's no difference it's, it's, hey, it's the NBA, I mean, man. It's the NBA post game. The dude is the same all the time, mm-hmm. and there and there's something to be said for that. And if he if he has the right players that are kind yeah. of of a similar ilk, and so when I say right players, I don't like the talent is there. The talent hasn't been, but like just personality wise, mesh wise, mm-hmm. it you know it could work. <laughs> you know, it's not like Fred doesn't know how to diagram things. It's not like he doesn't know, you know, that was the reputation when he was coming in too, is that, man, he's really good at diagramming stuff out of bounds. Like he's, he's great at getting talent, bud. He's great at getting talent. I mean, he's going to load up four guys that'll be in the league and they'll play together and bang, here's 20 wins. Yeah. And he's got a, he's got a cutting edge. He's got a modern sort of offense and system. Mm -hmm. He's really good in the final minute. Like he's good. He's a good game manager. Um, you know he's he's got a lot of accolades, or a lot of he's been given a lot of credit. But I think the, you know, to, to your original question is like, could you tell that you know he was beaten down that he really wants to come back or doesn't? No, I can't. Like I would hate to play poker against Fred Hoiberg. You can't. Yeah. You just can't. I can't get a read on the guy, <laughs> emotionally, good or bad. And as a and and, and of all the qualities that you maybe want out of a head coach, I don't mind that. I'm cool with a head coach that is like that, that is just kind of the same all the time, doesn't ride the wave, isn't a big emotional up and down. I never get the sense that Fred Hoiberg is BSing me. That's true. Right? Never get that sense. I feel like he's just being honest and he's being chill. And that's just how he is. And if he gets the right – I think you know what? I think now that I'm saying this out loud though, I think because he has that personality, he really does need that good cop, bad cop, assistant compliment. Sure. You know, like, and I, I just don't know the inner workings of how that goes with his staff right now, but he needs that bad cop. I think, uh, you know, just, he, and he needs the good cop because he's going to be, because he's going to be neither of those, you know, he's well, going to be just chill. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good, you need all sorts of personalities to button push. For sure, and I think he's got. I think he's got some, some barkers on his staff. I think there's been a buffer and, and protection bubble of some of the talent by 
some members of his staff as well. So I, I think Could be. The, the, the bench dynamic's been an issue. And, and I, think there's some, I think there's some good coaches on his assistant staff. And I think there's a guy in particular that has just missed on, on the personality uh, test, so to speak, with what he's brought here multiple times and just has looked at talent only. Craig we got to take a timeout. Uh, recruiting news this week. Uh, Nebraska landing their 2023 quarterback uh, in uh, Pomp Watson. We had a great sit-down with uh, Bill Watson. He's the head football coach, but also a proud papa. Uh, we'll talk to, uh, to Bill Watson here. Our rewind next. Brandon Vogel next hour. Gary Sharp on the way. Hail Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Without further ado, let's check in with the uh, coach at Springfield Central Basketball and Football. We welcome in and say hi to Coach Bill Watson. Coach, thanks for the time on Hale Varsity. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Well, thank you for your time. And, Coach, take us through the emotions of last night and uh, your son, Pop, uh, committing to Nebraska. What was the process like for, for your family? Um, I mean, last night was, was, was a great night. Um, one of the be- you know, I, I would say one of the you know, better nights um, in my life. And, and I say that um, because, you know, obviously, you know, anytime you can watch your, your children um, have dreams, have, have goals, aspirations, and you can help, help them towards, you know, achieving those things, and then you can watch them achieve it. Um, you know, and, and sit back and just see the, the happiness, you know, the excitement on your family's face. You know, for for any man, that's a that's a special moment, and, and that's what happened last night. You know, I got a chance to, to see my son um, commit to a school. Um, one one of his goals has always been, you know, to to, to play um, in a big time program, and you know, he wants to play NFL football. Uh, but this was the first, you know, this was the next step in that process, and um, you know, it, it was just a great a great feeling. Coach Watson, let's talk about Mark Whipple and his system and, and how your son at quarterback fits into what Whipple wants to do. Why is it why is it connect so well? Well, I, I think that, you know, he he's had a lot of experience throwing a football. I mean, he's he's got film, you know, going back to, you know, middle school, throwing, you know, close close to three thousand yards and so he's he's seen a lot of concepts and he understands um, you know, a lot about the passing game uh, versus, you know, some of the defenses that we've already seen, some of the vanilla defenses that, that he's seen. Um, so when Coach Whipple starts to explain his offense, um, I think he understands the concepts, but I think the way that Whipple breaks the offense down and explains it to him is the process is something that he's already used to. Um, it's something that he, he's already, you know, been taught. But, um, you know, obviously um, when you get to college, it's, it's more complex and there's a lot more variables that go into each play but when he asks questions there there are clear answers and it's a clear understanding and the verbiage is the same verbiage that he's um, accustomed to so I think he he took quickly to the to the reads and the offense and then um, we actually brought some of the concepts back to the high school and we ran them this year and um, you know he he, they worked they worked well all of them Um, we ran some of them in the, in the state championship. We, you know, we ran like we, we just kind of put packages off the the ideas that we got from there. And so when you run the plays and you have that type of success, you know, you obviously 
um, you know, you tend to like it uh, or love it a little bit more. And so I just, you know, it's just a lot, a lot of things, communication-wise, understanding, so on and so forth, that where, where he connects with what Coach Whipple wants him to do on the field. Coach Watson, I've got about a minute till I have to take a break. I'd love to spend a couple more minutes with you after the break, if that works with your schedule. But in sure, about no 30 seconds or so here, uh, when it comes to, I guess, trust with, 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 Coach, Whip, with, with Coach Whipple, uh, was that one of the selling points, just Coach Whipple's personality? Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and, and um, him having spent time up here, you know, to understand, I, I played Division Two football, and we played against Whipple when he was at University of New Haven as a head coach. And, um, you know, me knowing the, the job he did at that time and then, you know, kind of watching his career move on and, and the things he's done at every level, whether it be college or NFL. Um, and, and then just him as a person. You know, he's like I said, you know, you get a feel for coaches. He's always kept his word. Everything he said he was going to do, he's always done. And you don't get that a lot when you're talking to college coaches. I've, I've spoken to college coaches and they told me one thing and then a week later, you know, the opposite has happened. <clears throat> so the trust is, it, from him is big. And then the rest of the staff. R- really fast, did you win that game against New Haven back in the day? No, no. <laughs> um, and, and, and to go a little further, we were actually the number one defense in, the, in Division Two at the time, or scholarship schools at Division Two. Um, going into the last three weeks, and they carved us up. <laughs> Coach uh, Bill Watson with us, uh, his son Pop committing to Nebraska. Coach, uh, you, you touched on it last segment, but want to go a little bit further. Uh, how how early in your in your son's playing career were were schools in on him, and when was that? When did the recruiting process start for you and your family? Um. Well, I. I started taking him to one-day camps when he was in sixth grade. And um, the reason I did it was not to get scholarships or anything like that. It was just to get him accustomed to what the one-day camps look like to get a feel because, I, you know, my biggest thing is, being, you know, him being from Massachusetts and, you know, the, the, you, know you, you read the, the lack of respect that people from outside of the New England area give the state, um, I wanted him to feel comfortable competing with anyone and to understand that he couldn't go to a camp and be just as good as anybody. He had to go there and he had to dominate the camp. He had to be first in line. He had to make all his throws. He, you know, he just had to stand out um, and be on another level just to, to be looked at. And so, you know, I, I started that process, that mental process with him in sixth grade. And one of the camps we used to go to was, you know, obviously was UMass, but we went to several camps. And so he started getting familiar with, uh, with some of the coaches you know, at that time. And, you know, he was he was pretty good at a young age. You know, he played in some, some All-American games and, you know, did well for himself. So his name was out there um, at an early age. And then I would say coaches started looking at him in eighth grade. You know, we started getting college coaches following his Twitter, um, so on and so forth. And then he, he received his first offer um, at the UMass camp in eighth grade. Um, he, you know, he had just came from Penn State, um, actually, and, and got home like maybe – three in the morning and UMass camp was like nine o'clock in the morning and I was in um in Mexico with my wife and so he had to get himself up and get up and you know I had a friend of mine come take him to the camp and he went there and he you know he had a great day and you know UMass coaches called me we were actually coming getting off the plane and it was like listen we couldn't let him leave here you know without offering him um 
and that was his first offer. And then three games into his freshman year, um, Boston College offered, and then, you know, the interest started rolling from there. That's pretty amazing. Uh, Coach Watson's with us, his son Pop committing to Nebraska. So, Coach, let's put the, the father hat on and also the coach-slash-play caller hat. You, you, there's there's two dynamics there. And when you look at an offense, what 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 is your son's skill set and how are you as a coach did you try and tailor to that skill set? Well, I think that, you know, it is – He's consistent. You know what you like. I, I don't think he's had a bad game um, since his first game freshman year. Um, every game, you know, he's he's always been prepared. He's always showed up and, and had a big game. Um, that is why, you know, as a program, we've been um, so successful. Um, he's very, you know, he's very consistent. Um, he's accurate. Um, you know, I seen something where they said he was like sixty percent. He's he's been at sixty six percent. You know, for passing this year. Um, I think in the semifinals against the number one seed, he was 19 for 22 for over 400 yards. Like he he doesn't he makes his reads. Um, he knows where to go if you know if the if the read or if the player that he was expecting to get the ball to doesn't get it. He knows where to go with the ball. He protects the football. Um, doesn't turn it over much. And um, he's just you know ha- having that type of per- you know player at the QB position um, opens up everything on offense. Um, it opens up the run game. We can get the ball. We have some some pretty good playmakers at the receiver position. We can get them the ball anytime we want, um, and, and we can make people pay. And he he's been um, accurate at all levels: short game, intermediate, deep ball. Um, you know, he, and he, and like I said, he's been that way since freshman year. Coach, tell tell me a little bit about this pop nickname. Uh, last night was the first time I had heard Papa as the name whenever I, I saw him on Twitter. So explain to me how that nickname started and, and what made it stick. Um, when he when he was little, and when I say little, I'm talking like you know two three years old. Um, my father, who you know was passed away since then, but um, he started calling him that, and the 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 reason he did is because um, he kind of was like bossing everyone in the house around, you know, like telling him, you know, what he wanted to eat, you know, trying to used to take food off the plate. And so, you know, my father used to say he thinks he's our father. Like he thinks he's, you know, at the top of the food chain and we're his kids. That's how he treats us. So he started calling them pop, um, you know, to sit, as if the like a joke to say, like, you're you're the father. You know, you're the boss. You, you tell me what you want and I'll get it for you. You know, our grandparents saw they, you know, grandkids, they think they're right all the time and they give them whatever they want. So, you know, that that was how it, it kind of started. Um, then we all kind of took to it because all three of us have the same name. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it gets kind of tough almost calling. You know, you feel like you're calling yourself anyway when you say the name. So, you know, we kind of just ran with it and everybody kind of just started calling him that since, since he was two, three years old. Coach Watson's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. His son, Pop, uh, commit to, to Nebraska Great history with Coach Whipple and, and the system and the fit and the skill set. Last thought, Coach uh, Watson, and thanks for the time. It's wonderful to chat with you. Just your thoughts on the Nebraska program and, and uh, the direction it could go. Um, me personally, you know, I, I've been watching college football all my life. So I, I know Nebraska, you know, from back in the days when, when you had Mike Rogier and you had the Taylor and you had – you know, all of those studs at Nebraska, and they were having wars with Jamel Holloway and the Oklahoma Sooners and, they, you know, the Miami Hurricanes and so on and so forth. Um, 
and I think it's a it's a you know it's a sleeping giant. Um, I think if, if you know it starts going in the correct direction, um, I think it, it can win. It's one of the programs that can jump right back to the top of the college football landscape. And when I watch it, and when we both watched, started watching Nebraska last year, <laughs> excuse me, um, what we saw was a team that was right on the cusp of doing it, but they were, you know, kind of running into a wall as far as not being able to finish off games, um, maybe a little, you know, getting a little tense in the fourth quarter, so on and so forth. So um, I've seen that, but, I, you know, I've seen the losses, but i also seen a team that's right there. You're losing a lot of games by one score. That To me, that's more mental than anything else. And you add a couple of players and you get the right type of momentum going, all of those games could be wins. So from a talent standpoint and, you know, coaching and so on and so forth, they're right there. I think with the adjustments that Coach Frost made with the staff, um, not, and I'm not just talking Whipple, I'm talking about uh, Coach Joseph. Is it Mickey Joseph? Yeah, I'll, I'll Mickey Joseph, wide receiver yeah, coach. Yeah. With, with him, you know, and, and just some of the new coaches that came in and the energy that they're providing with some of the kids that came in the transfer portal. Um, I, I think that they have a chance to be very good this year. I think that he will be one of the surprise teams in the country. And I think if that happens and they start getting the right recruits in there, and when I say the right recruits, I'm talking about, I'm talking about you know kids that know how to win and know what it takes to win. And a lot of that work is done in the offseason. Start getting some more kids like that in the program. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, now the next thing you know, they're competing for national championships. And I think it can happen. I think it's a process. Um, I think people have to be patient. Um, I think they have the right um, person at the head coach position in Coach Frost, and I think he's hired the correct coaches around him. And, and I think, you know, I think it's, it's, it's game time. Like, I expect to see big things from him this year, and I expect to start seeing big things from Nebraska from here on out. And that's why, you know, that's why he committed. You know, he, he doesn't know anything else but winning. He, you know, I, I can't remember the last time he hasn't won a championship going back to youth football from the time he started all the way through high school. You know, he, he's won the, the state championship every year. The only thing that stopped stopped us one year was COVID um, and not being able to play the state championship. So he wants to be a part of a winner. And the team, the team doesn't have to be there right now, but, you know, he wants to have the potential to win. That's what motivates him to play football. And, um, you know, we, we truly believe Nebraska is that place. Coach Watson's with us. Did you get that vibe on your junior day visit? I mean, just just when it came to, to, peer, to peer communication, did, did Pop feel that way with some of the kids he was able to interact with? Yes. Yes, he did. He, he, he definitely felt that. Um, it was a good group of, uh, of kids, um, young men that, that spoke to him. Um, you know, he didn't see the whole team, but, you know, he talked to the staff. Um, seeing the investment that the school is making in the student athletes, um, you know, as far as the new facilities, um, you know, and, and the weight, the weightlifting program, and how they tie the, you know, the science into it, and <clears throat> excuse me, and, and just a lot of the, the the things that they have in the program, um, and he loved all of that, you know, and, and that that was something that, you know, he felt that energy from the coaching staff. He felt, you know, you you talk to some of those coaches and. They, they sound like they're ready to put a helmet and shoulder pads on themselves. And he likes being around coaches like that. He likes being around coaches that are confident, that pretty much walk like 
winning is something that belongs to them. And that's the kind of feel you got from those coaches. Like, there was no question that they were going to win next year. And, you know, that's something that got his, it got his juice flowing. And when we left, we were like, you know, he, he told me, he was like, I could be here. You know, I could see myself here for the next four or five years. Um, and I kind of just looked at him and nodded and said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll go back. And, you know, we spoke to Coach Frost that day and Coach Whipple. And, um, you know, I, of course I asked if the offer was committable because that's, you know, one of the things you got, especially at the QB position, mm-hmm. a lot of times people only taking one. And um, at that time, you know, Coach Frost told him, we don't offer kids if, you know, if we're not prepared to accept, you know, the commitment. Um, so, you know, we went, we talked about it. He spoke to the coaches a little bit more. And he, he made that decision, you know. So we'll be back up there for spring, in the spring, um, to watch spring spring practice or whatever, you know, whatever the case, and um, maybe the spring game. And um, he'll take an official, but he knew, you know, he knew that's where he wanted to be. And, um, you know, he had the, the, the process I really reset for him because he was down to two schools back in December. He was um, going to commit to either Pitt, where Coach Whipple was, or he was going to commit to Oregon because um, he had a great um, relationship with Coach Moorhead, who was the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator there. And it just so happens that Coach Cristobal and Coach Moorhead left Oregon, and then Coach Whipple left Pitt at the same time. So we pretty much was back to square one mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of trying to figure everything out. Uh, we were going to go go up to Ole Miss, um, you know, and, and maybe throw the football for them guys and, you know, kind of work there. He still had the Kentucky offer, which, you know, he liked um, Coach Woodward, who's the receiver coach up there, and Coach Cohen. Um, but he w- he was not number one on their board. He was actually um, number three on the board. Yeah. So they were going after two other kids. So, you know, we were kind of re- restarting the process. And when Coach Whipple got to Nebraska and brought us up there, you know, he when he called, he said, you come up here, you're going to love, you're going to love this place. This place is you know, we like Pitt, but he was like, you're going to love this place. And when we got up there, he wasn't lying. And it, it wasn't anything like we thought it was going to be. You know, I, I've never been to Nebraska before. So when I think of Nebraska, you know, I, I go by, and it, it sounds crazy, of course, because I'm been, on, you know, been around a little bit. But I look at the logo, the, the mascot for Nebraska. I look at that corn husk, and I'm thinking <laughs> I'm walking into cornfields, and it's going to be farms. And, you and everybody, and man. To, yeah. <laughs> And I get to Lincoln, and it's nothing like that. It's you know, it's a city atmosphere. You got nice, nice restaurants and food everywhere. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't even know it was gonna be like this. You know, I'm thinking that in my mind. He's loving it, going around. The people were, you know, were nice. They, you know, it was great up there. It was like, you know, I feel comfortable leaving, leaving them up there. You know, um, so it, it worked out. And Junior Day was a great visit, um, and we're excited. I'm, you know, I'm excited. Um, to send him up there and, and watch him do his thing. He's got one more year here, so he's got to, you know, he want to win another state championship in football. He's playing basketball now. <clears throat> Excuse me, playing basketball now. Um, hopeful that he wins another state championship in basketball as well. He won one his freshman year. We didn't play. We couldn't compete for one, in, you know, in tenth grade. So we're making our run now for a state championship in basketball, and we're gonna finish off his high school career. You know, on a, on a positive note, um, make sure he gives everything he has here to his teammates, and then he's going to go to Nebraska and he's going to give Nebraska everything he has 
you know, while he's up there. Coach Watson, it was a pleasure to chat with you. We'll do this again, and best to you and your family. Thanks for a few minutes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2. It's the weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in managing editor with HailVarsity.com and magazine, Brandon Vogel. Find him on Twitter, at Brandon L. Vogel. Read his book, Dream Like a Champion, with John Cook. Vogue's a crazy, busy week. Spring football starts Monday basketball on our mind we spent uh, the majority of the first hour just kind of well going through trev's comments this week and fred's comments about uh, being retained for a year four what were you expecting were you expecting uh, nebraska to move on or did you think you know what trev may give uh another another year to to fred uh, based on how how football went, there's a, there's a, you know a little bit of a track record here with with patience here uh, with Trev Alberts. Yeah, that certainly got a boost this week. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I think I don't know. I, maybe 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 this isn't uh, like a lot of people, but it seemed like kind of the natural you know curve of this this narrative here was okay. We find out that the buyout's eighteen million, and it's like, well, geez, that kind of you know, the assumption for me at that point was like, well, that's that. That pretty much ties your hand. That's that's expensive for, you know, to move on from a basketball coach. But as, as Nebraska, you know, couldn't even find its way into other than Minnesota, like, you know, pick up some of these wins and some of these games there. Well, last night was another example. You're like, you know, you're in it for 85% of the game. And then it just kind of, you know, a better team slowly wears you down and pulls away. And that's been most of Nebraska's big 10 games so far. So as those losses continue to mount, I was kind of like, well, I mean, people are clearly disappointed, unhappy, whatever term you want to use. And at that point it becomes to, well, can you reach out to the people you got to reach out to and, and get the money you need? Uh, so I, I kind of, if, if I started it like, well, 90%, there's probably nothing Nebraska can do here. I, I, that certainly had declined by the time that Alberts made his announcement. And, you know, to, to his credit, like, I, I'm glad he did because sitting in that space where, you know, no matter what sport it is, you're you're in that well what's what's happening here are are we going to be in a coaching search in a couple of weeks or are we not you know it's it's tough on everybody so i think once you've made that decision it's just best for all involved even the fan base like whether you know they're extremely disappointed with that decision or if they're middle of the road or At that point, you can kind of move on to the much, much bigger task of, okay, once you say. Brandon Vogels with us. Let's try reconnecting Elijah with uh, 
with Vogues. There was a you lot of do. droppage there. Uh, so we'll, Vogues, we'll try and reconnect with you, bud. Stay tuned. We'll be back in two seconds with you. Cranack, a couple of thoughts on some, some feedback we got while we get Brandon back on uh, from Twitter and, of course, uh, email uh, this first hour. One, you had uh, Greg in Michigan emailing in, wondering if, if Nebraska fans are somewhat to blame for basketball and football retaining their coaches because the fans keep showing up. I applaud any fan that – I mean, that, it was a pretty well-packed PBA last night. Uh, despite their record, uh, you had uh, folks showing up for football despite three and nine. Um, so good on the Nebraska fans sticking through the, the thin as well as the thick. And, yeah, you you let your vote be known by uh, not funding said program if you're, if you're not happy with the direction it's going. And that's a, a fan's prerogative. But. Nebraska fans, for the most part, I think you're going to keep showing up even in, in tough times, and they have for basketball and for football. I think we have Vogue's back. Brandon, um, you uh, you touched on just the, the buyout and the both sides of the coin, so to speak. Do you move on and try and find a new coach, or do you, do you kind of restructure? I think Trev's – do you think this is – big picture as well as just patience do you think trev being able to by by being patient with this is able to um to really kind of uh cement what what type of ad he wants to be he's gone through a lot vogues in seven months i mean just a ton of stuff yeah he really has um and and i do think there's uh, a big picture piece of this where, okay, you, you did this for football. Um, now you're doing it for, for basketball. And, and you look at this, like, you know, those coaches in both cases gave up something, namely money, uh, at this point, at least, you know, as far as we know, there's kind of all these conversations that are happening behind the scenes and like, I'm fine to let those, you know, happen behind the scenes for now, but it's kind of, you know, you make the decision and some people may disagree with it right away. But like I said, once you, everyone knows the reality, they kind of know the stakes of the game and, and that's kind of fair on its face. And if basketball and football don't improve, well, you Trev Alberts in his first year, which is another like complicating factor here, provided the opportunity to both of those coaches to, to turn things around and you, you have ch- more of an opportunity to, to plan, you know, it's expensive for these these buyouts. And but beyond that, beyond just the sheer cost, like the easiest thing to do is to make a change because then, you know, you like boost excitement, you know, all of the kind of things we're used to seeing. But I think there's there's two pieces to that. It's it's momentary excitement. And then you're just back to like, okay, well, everybody's excited, but you still got to build this thing up the right way and do the right thing. Um, and, and, and then there's, there's also the kind of, I don't, I don't know, even know the, the best way to, to phrase it, but Nebraska hasn't had stability. And I think Trev Albers coming in early in his tenure, like you can justify both of these plays on that alone. Like, 
like a lot of schools, the Huskers have been changing coaches every time it doesn't work, and it just feels like an unending cycle. So maybe let's try a little bit of patience and stability and see if that's been the missing ingredient because just landing on the exact right person at the exact right time hasn't been in the cards for the Huskers yet. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You know, Brandon, Treb has alluded to it a couple of times um, about the athletic department as a whole and a certain degree of kind of maybe dysfunction within it, presumably within some of the support functions or some of the executive functions. I don't really know what. And I'm just curious about your take on what is he talking about when because he has said that where it's just like, hey, we have to make sure as an athletic department that what we're doing is elite, you know, that we are providing the proper amount of support for the coaches. What is what do you think he's referring to specifically there? Um, I mean, I, I, all I can do is, is speculate a little bit, you know, but it, it strikes me coming from the previous regime that the, it, there wasn't a strong top-down kind of culture. And, and, you know, Alberts has mentioned that along the way, like we've got to get everybody in this department kind of like pulling the same direction. And it's, it's not that they're, you know, are necessary, you're always going to have kind of opposing factions. Um, see also Auburn, but you know, <laughs> you try it. I mean, you really have to treat the athletic department as a whole, as a, as a team itself. And, you know, I think part of that could be in play here, too, where it just so happens that, well, football, you know, is clearly improved in my mind. It doesn't find a way to win any of these games that it's in. Um, and that's bizarre. And just with, you know, how long Frost has been to his tenure, it gets to be that time where you got to talk about, well, maybe this isn't going to isn't going to happen. Uh, basketball is even further away from that, but still the exact way this season has unfolded. I don't think a lot of people saw coming either. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. And this is again, just me kind of talking here. Like if my approach, if I were like Trev Alberts would be like, can I reasonably expect these guys to have every, every piece of this buttoned up in my first year when whatever degree it may be the case, I don't feel like I've got my team operating as efficiently as I expect this football and basketball program to run. So, you know, I don't know if that's the case, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if that kind of factored into the thinking. Brandon Vogel is with us. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio and Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Vogue's going to switch over to spring football. There's so many different position battles. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. How much fun is it going to be for, for Scott Frost? Because this is going to be new for him. It's one thing to, to make the hires, which he's done. It's one thing to make the changes. Now this is really kind of step 1B from, from winter conditioning being 1A in the four parts to a, to a season. What is, what is Scott's job this spring? Obviously he's the head coach, but there's got to be more delegation going on so yeah okay job is to delegate but how does how does he how do you think he fits into that role because it it feels like uh, it's going to be really different for him for the first time in a while for him you know leading Nebraska yeah I mean I would I would lean pretty heavily into that now 
you don't want to give up the – of course you don't, but you don't want to give up the gains that you've made over the past four seasons. And, yes, despite the record, there are gains. Um, I, have, I have no doubt about that piece of it. But really, you look at this new quarterback, you know, and new coaches, kind of those pieces alone, not to mention, you know, how many kind of new names are going to be in the mix this spring at various positions. It almost feels like a year one part two to me. And, you know, that might sound scary. And, and I, I certainly get that perspective because <laughs> they, they, they need to win now. I mean, everybody, everybody knows that. But those year ones often come with a little bit of freedom, too, of like, hey, there's been a regime change. Uh, let's, and it, sometimes year ones take a long time. Sometimes they, they happen pretty instantly where you can benefit off kind of the enthusiasm of the newness and the, the new energy. So if Nebraska were able to harness that, it might seem like kind of the taking the back roads to, to where they need to get to. But I don't think that would be the worst thing. And, and, and really, you know, with, with Coach Frost, you know, it's, football coaches are, are creatures of habit. And that's why, you know, the whole goal is to build something, you know, like in Alabama in this current climate where it just sustains itself. And there's not a lot of unknowns and there's not a lot of newness. Um, Brass isn't, isn't, isn't close to that yet. So I'd almost, I, I wonder how much that'll be embraced. You know, does, does Coach Ross, he didn't want to fire those coaches. Of course, no coach wants to. Uh, but can you at least, does he seem energetic and excited about kind of a new opportunity here? Um, that'll kind of be the key tone for me this spring. You know, this week too, Brandon, Nebraska gets its quarterback commit for 2023. And I, I got to be honest, the profile of the quarterback, I was like, what? Oh, I guess I have no idea what they're going after because I think you assumed when Whipple came in, you're, you're looking more at the Chubba Purdy type, right? The taller, yes, maybe has a mobile threat, but, you know, taller, throw-first type quarterback. Meanwhile, Nebraska goes out and, and takes a commitment from a guy that's six foot, a buck 80, and runs a 10-900. Were you surprised by that? And i got to be honest, I was actually encouraged by that because that's my preference is a, is a dual-threat guy. What, what did you make of the profile of quarterback that Nebraska just picked up? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't what I uh, expected either. Um, you know, I kind of expected Nebraska to move towards a more kind of prototypical quarterback profile at that position. But, you know, after, after that commitment, it kind of made me think, you know, really kind of look at just quarterbacks and how I think offenses in college have continually like have contributed to just blurring those lines. You know, there's, there's some schools out there that are like, this is what, this is the type of quarterback we need. You know, some of them, perhaps many of them, you know, have the measurables. They're like, we, we want them to be this tall and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think for most of college football, that's probably fading a little bit. And it just becomes, you know, so much of quarterback play for as much as we like the measurables and, you know, with quarterbacks in particular, you know, it's kind of its own sort of camp and training circuit. So, like, we know everything about these guys, but it's such an intangible position that seeing, you know, seeing Watson's kind of measurables and where he was at, I was like, okay, well, it, because it's outside of maybe what I expected, 
it made me look even a little bit closer at it, I think, um, and, and maybe even a little bit more encouraged. Vogue's uh, a thought with going to Massachusetts for your 2023 quarterback when you have options in Gretna, right? Uh, when you look at Flores, you have Cole in Iowa. Uh, you have Avery uh, in, uh, in in Wichita. And, and how do you envision that, that pitch went? Because we, we've heard the recruiting stories over the years where a guy on staff will have a player in a region that he loves and he'll jump up on the table, old Jack Pierce style, and say, this is my guy, this is who we got to go get, this is why we should get him. And um, this is a this is a big call here by, by Coach Whipple out of the gate. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we know that, or we at least have an idea of how those recruiting conversations kind of go in the the chain of command and obviously the head coach is going to sign off on, on on any you know offer that goes out but particularly a quarterback uh you know position frost knows a little something about so i you know i, I kind of read it as a good deal of of trust and whipple you know the relationship he has here is long-standing um and if that's if that's your guy like go get your guy and you know he Chubba Purdy was sort of that, you know, from from a, a past regime and a past recruiting cycle. So, so really, you've got two, um, and you've got a, a handful of other quarterbacks who are going to battle it out. Who, you know, kind of came from somebody else or from somewhere else. And so, to to put that trust in in Whipple, because I, I do think it's important. Like, if you've got two quarterbacks that are virtually you in your ter- in your evaluation are virtually identical or equal, like, in my opinion, Nebraska will always be better off getting along this closer to Lincoln. Um, so we'll see. I mean, giving Whipple the opportunity to go out and do that, I think, said as much about their, their trust where where he's at um, as probably anything. You know, the, going back to the dual threat thing, too, and thinking about the NFL, you got Brady, who just retired. You got Stafford, who's probably – did he announce already? I don't know if he already announced no. but He's considering it also. You got Mac Jones. So those would be kind of the current day or at least recent day non-mobile quarterbacks, Roethlisberger to a degree now. Almost everybody else can move, right? I, I mean, I just, I'm just thinking that taller statuesque quarterback, I mean, those days with few exceptions, just uh, those just might be over, right? I mean – if you just look at the characteristics of who's getting drafted and what their offenses are like, it's, uh, you know, kind of everybody's mobile. That's more like the standard profile now, right? Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, some of that at the NFL might be a, a supply issue, you know, as college football has gone the way it has gone. Uh, it was kind of, you know, the classic USC quarterback, uh, you know, pick one from any of the past 20 years. Uh it's kind of it feels a little bit like an endangered species, and you know we've seen at the NFL level like more influence on offense from from the college level. So it kind of becomes a little bit of this chicken or the, or the egg thing. Is it because like well, college got there first, and this is what offense is now? I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's also a little bit at the NFL level of saying, well, these are what these quarterbacks are are capable of doing, but. Yeah, 
to, to tie it into Nebraska, we kind of, or at least I kind of thought, well, maybe this offense is trending someplace a little bit, some someplace else. I would expect to see much less QB run. And I think, I think I still expect that. But it doesn't mean having a player who has that in his skill set is is a bad thing. In fact, it's it's. I still think it's it's a really good thing, um, even if you're trending towards a more traditional pass game or or less designed QB run. Like being able to do that when you have to is still a pretty pretty valuable weapon. Vogue's a uh, thought on the portal specifically with Payne heading to the portal a second time, and then Nixon also making a move to the portal. Uh, Nixon, a high profile kid out of Texas, and he's one of the kids I would have. Well, bet that he would have been here longer than he was. Wish him well. I mean, he's a really talented kid that had a tough knee injury. Yeah, and you know, obviously, football family, son of a mm-hmm. son of a coach. Uh, you always, at least I always kind of boost those guys a, a couple percentage points in my mind, just knowing that. <laughs> well, the fact that they're still playing football tells me that they like the game a lot, but they were also just around, around it a lot, and around it at a high level at a young age. So. But you look at this Nebraska, you know, wide receiver room. It's there's there's a lot of competition there, and it, it's going to be tough. But you know, go back to that class that Nixon was in. Nebraska's already lost some wide receivers from that group. Um, you haven't had trying to really any sort of high school wide receiver recruit come in and just play right away, uh, other than Wandale. Um, so, you know, that's, that's part of it, too. You've got this group of redshirt freshmen from, from last recruiting cycle. We haven't seen anything from them yet. They're all in the mix. Like, there's just a lot of names there. And on the pain thing, you know, <laughs> certainly strange of portal. And I'm not in the portal. Now I'm back in the portal. Nebraska is sort of that defensive line edge rusher. You know, you still feel good about Darren Nelson. You're encouraged about what, what Caleb Tanner was able to do last season and make some strides there. But – there's a lot to be sorted out um, in, in those groups. Mike Dawson's going to be a busy guy this spring, put it that way. Folks, what's happening with uh, Hale Varsity? Uh, spring uh, football gets underway Monday. A monster press conference. Going to be a lot of fun covering that. What's on the horizon for the, uh, for the website and for the magazine? Yeah, so kind of put together our plan for, for Monday. Uh, there's going to be well, all the coaches that are available, going to have a handful of players. So um, feel good going into that. We'll have plenty of good football content here over the next week, two weeks. Well, for the rest of spring football, for sure, uh, on the website. Busy on the March issue, um, trying to wrap up these, these basketball seasons. Uh, and also covering football piece of it. Uh, also, we'll have some coverage coming up from the Big Ten Wrestling Championships, which um, is an event I'm pretty excited, just on a personal level, is is in Lincoln. So I think that's going to be a, a ton of fun. So we'll have some stuff from that as well. Vogues, were you undefeated as a wrestler? Oh, my gosh. Wrestling really traumatized me uh, as a as a youth. Um, I was I was nowhere near tough enough for for that sport. Let's just put it that way. It's a it's a much longer story. But yeah, I I, I wrestled in seventh and eighth grade because basically I had to. I tried it for like a couple weeks as a youth wrestler, uh, and yeah, yeah, I, I was a basketball guy. Let's put it that way. It's all right, man. I, at least you tried it. I went to one wrestling practice with a buddy. It's like, you guys do too much cardio. This is 
Oh, fourth no. grade fat Schmidt. Uh, fat Schmidt. Like, I'm good, man. <laughs> and you know, like, if some dudes at the back in the bartending days of U Vogue, uh, if, if some guy that's got a little cauliflower going wants his drink, he gets it first, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the easiest way. You know, you get. The, the bars in Hemingford, they get they get slammed. Uh, you, you couldn't believe a town that small could have that many people, and that, that's how you sort through. You know, you got a bunch of people bellied up, and they're they're all ready for a drink. They show up at the same time, just pick out the guys who look like they probably wrestled, and make sure they're happy first. <laughs> Vogues, have a good weekend, buddy. Thanks for the time. Thanks, all right. That's going to be awesome at uh, PBA next weekend. Uh, Jeff Mall and the crew from uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau. Man, that's a that's a win for uh, for Lincoln. Beer will be cold. That'll be awesome. And I know um, excited to have more kind of national events uh, like Big Ten Wrestling, Cranach in Lincoln, and then a month later, your dear friend Snoop Dogg's rolling in. That's I saw that. On 420 of all days. I know. We're working on Snoop making an appearance. So. Oh, okay. Do you think that'll happen? Uh, I w- I'm one for one. I got Warren G when he was okay. here. A little yeah, different you should be stratosphere. Then. But, I mean, that gives you cred. <laughs> but, like, I talked to Warren G, so like, why wouldn't you come on Snoop? Right. and but that, yeah, that was years ago. A uh, different venue as well, but uh, you still have the, the you still have the interview saved. It's still on the computer. We should pull it up sometime. That was the fun. conversation with Snoop could meander. It could meander oh, I know, a little bit. It, it'll be it'll be football oriented because he was here in Lincoln, I think, for the USC Nebraska game. Yeah, no, but it, I'm just saying, depending on how fresh off a of blunt he is, it could meander a little bit. That's fine, which I think is good. Yeah, it'd be fun. Mm. No, we'll uh, we'll try and make that happen. Uh, the Iron Horse is on his world tour. Gary Sharp's coming up. Hail Varsity weekend continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then... Two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Joe passing out this Saturday morning, weekend edition of Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbert. We welcome in the Iron Horse, ready for another round of spring football. Gary Sharp with us. Sharpie, uh, you tweeted out a picture of Murray's. Did you have... The butter knife, the silver butter knife steak. What was dinner like? I didn't. I did not. Uh, I've been there numerous times, so I've had that in the past. But I had uh, newbies with me last night here in Minneapolis, and so we did not partake in that. We went with uh, a little bit uh, bigger piece of uh, meat. But uh, if anybody makes it to downtown Minneapolis, Murray's is the place. Uh, and I would like fast for a couple of days before you went in, before you go in there for dinner. Never been, but uh, next time I got to go because uh, I'm a steak guy just like you, and uh, well done. Okay, uh, Fred is back. Thoughts on that? Uh, It basically came down to this, guys. Trev Albert said no one is worth firing over $18.5 Does anybody believe that if the buyout was only 3.2, that Fred Hoiberg would be here? No, you don't. He's 6-50 and in the Big Ten, and unfortunately this has not worked out, and I don't see – 
you know, I don't see a path forward. I see a path of, hey, we had to make a financial decision, and we have a Fortune 500 company, which is the athletic department. We have to make a business decision. But right now, we don't have that kind of money, and nobody is worth $18.5 million to be fired. So we're going to try and run this back. And with the mindset that it's so bad right now, that how much worse can they make the program with one more year if we have to make a change? That's how I see it. I don't see a path out because if you start to look towards next year, I mean, look at the roster. The roster still is not really shaping up as a Big Ten roster, and I know a lot of things can happen, but, you know, I understand why Trev did this, but I think if I'm a fan and you're trying to sell me a season ticket, I'm not picking up your phone call. Mm. Well, that said, uh, Nebraska fans have, you know, it's different here. Gary, you know that. I think there's maybe a couple other programs in the country that you can say the same, but they snap up tickets because there's nothing to do. <laughs> and they, of course, they really like the team, but it's it's something to do. It's it's less about we reward you if you win than we reward you with purchasing tickets. No, it's like we're purchasing tickets. Please win. Well, a little bit of that. I I think here's a here's another thing, and you know, uh, so I, I struggled with this. I. I you know, after watching the Northwestern game, I said, let's, have, let's start making a realistic list of coaches that are going to come here and be coach. Guys, everything Trev Albert stands for is anti-Nebraska basketball. Effort, focus, looking like they have a coordinated plan. I, all the stuff, all the fluff the last two days, I'm not buying it. I know it's all about money um, because that's not what Trev stands for. Uh, so with that said, you have to move forward. And again, I just... I don't know what the plan is. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we not see it until next fall. It's just this is kind of discouraging. And here's the thing. If Fred would win at Nebraska, he could stay here as long as he wanted. They'd build a statue. They'd name a street after him. But this hasn't worked out, and I don't know where it's going. I mean, it's not in a good spot right now. And, and, and granted, people last night for the last game, a lot of it had to do with Iowa. There's a lot of black and gold at PBA. They showed up. I just this this is a tough one. Good thing spring football starts on uh, Monday, and we have something else to talk about because I think we're wasting too much time on men's basketball right now because they are not giving us the return on our investment. Real quick, hmm? how how rare is it? You're, you've been around college basketball circles for a long time. I, I just want you to weigh in on how re- Nebraska has a full time assistant, Matt Abdelmasi, who literally does not coach anything on the floor how, how rare is it to have that clear of a decision i understand you're going to have recruiting guys that skew towards recruiting on your staff but he doesn't do any on field on court coaching at all how, how rare is that that's extremely rare and that's changing um i would be very surprised if abdel massey is back next year um i, I think fred will turn his staff over i mean here, here's one thing I, I know trev this is so trev is very big on how things look, not necessarily how they look on the competition field, but how you carry yourself, how you look on the sidelines. Anybody notice that Doc Sadler is combing his hair last couple of games? Yeah, I'm sure that's a Trev result. But let's look at this staff. Doc, nice guy. I don't know what Doc adds to you. Armand Gates, you kept him from the previous staff because he had a connection to Chicago. How well has that worked out for you? Abdel Massey only recruits. Now, the, the best addition is when Fred this year brought in Nate Lesnar. And I don't initially look at Nate as a college coach, 
But I think he's developed into, and he's very much a development coach. I think he's developed into somebody who has not only is just a good basketball man, uh, and the pros are in college. And I think Nate wants to recruit. I, I've talked to Nate before, and he, the only person that's been allowed, as you alluded to, Mark, to recruit was Abdel Massey. They need to turn Nate Lesnar loose because he's a really good assistant. But this staff is going to be turned upside down. But, again, it goes back to the head coach. What did we hear? Accountability is an issue. The second straight year that we've heard players say, hey, accountability is a problem. Is that going to change overnight with new people that are on your staff? I don't know. Fred is going to have to think outside of the box and do things that he doesn't normally do to get this turned around. And and it's not get turned around to be competing for the Big Ten title. I think any metrics for next year have to be that 7-10 to 10 range in the Big Ten, and you're on the bubble. I said this year, if you get to Valentine's Day and you're on the bubble, man, things are moving forward. But it's, it's discouraging. And, it's, it, again, I, I, you know what? It's gonna, the season's going to end here shortly, and we can move on to a different sport because I think we spend way too much time talking about a basketball program that right now is just fluttering and has been given a new life. And people are like, eh, you know what? You're given a new life because – of financials. You weren't given a new life because I could see roster construction. I could see guys developing. I can see a future. Well, we're wondering, and, and to Tom Chattel's column, really good column uh, this week, <laughs> that, that must be a hell of a plan, right? <laughs> well, well, you know, what, 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 it, what is the plan? I mean, what, exactly. you're, you're all of a sudden, now you're more, to say that you're more invested now in to get this turned around, what are we doing right now? The season is currently going on. You're all of a sudden going to say, oh, God, I got a new life. The season is over. I can push the reset button. What are we doing in the current moment to win basketball games? And you know what? Last night they kept up with Iowa for 30 minutes, and then they hit that thing that has been the case all season long. They'll go into a rut for about five to seven minutes, and the opposition has, to ha- has a huge run, and then Nebraska's in a hole. I don't know. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, I'm, a, I'm, very, I'm very frustrated by this, but I get the decision. You're not worth $18.5 million to fire. We're going to restructure your contract, and we're going to see what happens here. And, and, and Trev's in a great position, and Trev's picking up the pieces for other people. I mean, Ronnie Green needs to be asked about this extension, you know, that he had to sign off on as well. It's Trev that's coming and going, gosh, i got to protect the athletic department because I'm going to be here a lot longer than a lot of people are. So I don't fault Trev because he made this as a business decision that we don't have $18.5 million laying around. But just like Scott Frost, I'm going to work it. So we're in a good spot if this doesn't work out. And I'm either, I'm either going to look great because I stuck with coaches and it worked out, or I saved this money and now we can move on. Gary, your overall, football your overall is uh, on deck here Monday. Uh, you have so many different position battles. Uh, you've got uh, staff that's, that's new, and they'll be working together, and uh, everyone will be on hand Monday. Who are you buying stock in? Who, who are you interested to see make a move on the depth chart? And I want to start with the running back spot. Do you have any clue, or do you have a couple of guys you think could, could wow this sprint? Well, you know, there's guys that their future is on the line, like a Yant and a Step that have to have a good spring. You know, it's too bad that Gabe Irvin is not going to be able to, mm-hmm. to go through, uh, you know, spring football maybe just a little bit. Um, I think this is an opportunity for a guy like Ramir Johnson, who hung around, had some perseverance, got to play a lot last year. We still worry about his vision, but now he's got a new position coach. How does, how does Brian Applewhite affect uh, Ramir Johnson? You know, what kind of a jump does he make? And, of course, everybody wants to see Anthony Grant 
you know, after his junior college career? And is he the guy that's going to grab the spot? I think it's a very intriguing position that it's been made a priority by the current running back coach. And we'll see who that affects. But I think there's, it's almost like Survivor Island at that position. I think you're going to have guys that are going to fight to move up the depth chart and get in a good spot. And if they're not, they're going to be gone after spring. So that's a great position battle to watch. Speaking of position battles, I think offensively, almost across the board, you have a really healthy amount of competition. There's just enough scholarship bodies offensively that you feel pretty good about. I don't think you can say the same about defense, right? Like if if you look at it across the board, like which position group do you feel like Nebraska is well-stocked depth-wise? I think you have some top-end talent guys. But depth-wise, where on defense do you feel like, okay, yeah, that's how it should look? Uh, maybe defensive back where you have some returning guys and you have, uh, you, know, you have some veteran guys that have been added to the program. But you're absolutely right, Mark. I, I really worry about Nebraska's defensive line because they have not a lot of depth. They have a lot of newbies. They have a lot of question marks. And that's an area where Nebraska has to be strong and I don't think we're going to see the spring is all of a sudden going to answer a lot of questions because maybe a guy or two that could play a lot in the fall isn't here yet on the defensive line. But I would have to go defensive back. And then that adds to we have faith in Travis Fisher that he's going to work all of the pieces that he has into something that's going to be really good on the back end. But I think Mike Dawson has his work cut out for him on the defensive line because he's got to find guys that are not named Robinson and Rogers. And he's got to find is a hutmacher, and then he's got some guys like a Weaver and a Black and a Buckley, guys that are unproven that he's got to be able to get through uh, spring. So I think that's the great unknown on the defensive line, and that's not a place that you want to have an unknown in this conference. And real quick, Gary, too, you, you look at your second-level linebackers too. Call them middlebackers, I guess. And who knows if Nebraska is going four-three or three-four, whatever. Um, but you have you have Henrich and you have or Heinrich, and then you have. Um, and then you, oh God, why is his name? Reimer. 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 And then you have who? <laughs> yeah, that's... Hello? Are you so still there? Who, who's, who else is there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you have, you know, and you're going to have some of those guys that are going to be out for uh, spring. You know, this is a big, a big spring for Kapai. Um, some of the other guys that are on the roster that have yet to get on the field, but, you know, you've had a little bit of attrition. Um, and, and those guys, you know, as good as Reimer and Heinrich are together... Boy, do you want them to play as many snaps as they played last year? I mean, those, both of those guys go 100 miles an hour, and they have a tendency to just beat the heck out of their bodies. So they've got to find some people behind there. That's why, you know, the transfer portal, when spring is over around college football, could be really, really interesting. I mean, a couple of days before spring football, Nebraska puts a defensive, uh, you know, an outside linebacker and a wide receiver in the portal. So who knows what's going to happen, but... You know, it's 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 another another big spring to figure out at the linebacker level who are your second guys and uh, you know the defense. I'm I'm wondering, guys, what do you think this spring will be like? Because you've got new language on the offensive side, you got some new signal callers, um, you got new coaches. You're going to have a lot of competition on that side. Then on defense, you're trying to work players in that aren't normally playing as much as they're going to play. I mean, is this going to be a clean spring? Is this going to be a very choppy spring? I mean, we don't know what the spring will be like, and will we have many answers after 14 practices in the spring game to get ready for next year? I say probably not. Competition is good, 
Um, but I, I just think it's going to be a choppy spring, and that's okay because that's kind of expected. If it's not a choppy spring and it looks really good, then there's something to talk about, and maybe there's some encouragement that guys know what they're doing, they're all on the same page, and they're moving forward. And so you're off to a better start when you start practice in late July to get ready for Northwestern. Sharpie, I think you laid it out perfectly where it's flat out going to be a, a, a difficult spring with all the new uh, new coaches, new players, position battles, depth questions. And it's just going to be a, 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 a spring of development where guys are going to get their reps and you'll you'll have some days you struggle, you'll have some days you win, and then you got to kind of reassess afterwards and and learn and get better and take it with you into the summer. I mean, I think that's the, the path forward with it. And then you, you try and make some roster additions uh, post-spring based on the portal, and you also see what the attrition looks like. I want to go to quarterback, Gary, and, and get your thoughts on 2023 with uh, all the, the quarterbacks around the region Nebraska's been in on. You go to Massachusetts, and I like uh, Watson. I think he looks like a pretty dynamic player. What was your reaction and read on Nebraska's get this week? Well, it just shows you that this is Mark Whipple's offense. And what Whip wants, he gets. And he, of course, had that long relationship going back to sixth grade with Watson. And he pegged him as the quarterback. And I'm sure there's other guys on the staff that said, hey, I'm a J.J. Cole guy. I'm, a, I'm an Avery Johnson guy. And Whip said, nope, this is the guy. And, you know, he has said from the start that he will mold his offense around the quarterback. And you look at the last couple of quarterbacks that Nebraska has recruited, they're six foot five guys with big boy arms. Now you get a quarterback that's six foot six one, so a little bit different. And in that quarterback room, you have a bunch of different type of quarterbacks. So it'll be fascinating to see how these guys look in this offense and how they develop and what he does with them individually, not as collectively, but what Whipple does with them individually. Um, you know, here, here's how things have changed. Usually when you get a quarterback, he is supposed to be the face of your recruiting class. And, and they still are. But in the day and age of the quarterback in the portal, it becomes, oh, you got a commitment. Is he going to be here two, three years mm-hmm. from now? Um, and so – He's, he's intriguing, and he's very successful, and he's dynamic. Um, I just, you know, we're all around here going to be, okay, the, the case for William Watson when he gets to Nebraska is, what does the guy from Gretna do when he goes to a Big 12 school? I mean, they're going to be compared because they're in the same class, and you had a guy in your backyard that's getting a lot of offers, and this time you went to Massachusetts to bring in a quarterback. They'll both be compared. But it's, it's, a, it's a quarterback room also, guys. Who, who's going to be there next year? Because you do have you do have a little backload of eligibility. You know, you got Thompson that could come back. Purdy's got four years. Um, you know, Smothers. We don't know. We assume that he'll be gone. But what if he stays? What if he what if he moves up the depth chart? What if he's the guy? You know, then you have Harburg and you have Torres and you're bringing in Watson. So uh, it, it, in Whipple, we trust, I guess. Um, and he's got a plan. And his plan was William Watson is my guy in the class of 23, and I think that's it for Nebraska when it comes to quarterback recruiting out of the high school level for this year. Sharpie, will get caught up next week after the first week of spring. We'll spend a little bit uh, of time on baseball next week as well. Thanks for joining us on the road today, bud. Hey, thanks, guys. There he is, Gary Sharp, with us. Cranach, enjoy the weekend and uh, put the eye black on for Spring Ball Monday, all right? Let's go, man. Okay, we'll talk about it next week. All right, back at you Monday, Hale Varsity at 4, as uh, we get you 
ready to go full tilt uh, with spring football. Big thanks to Elijah Herbal. Talk to you uh, on Monday with Hale Varsity.